Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord wherever you're at right now. Hallelujah. 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 This morning, this strong anointing, which is flowing in this place, let us experience the power of the Holy Ghost. This morning, Holy Spirit, demonstrate your power to those who are here, to those who are listening to this message. Let us not leave this place the same in Jesus' name. Bibles in the air this morning. This is God's Holy Word, inspired by the Holy Ghost. And this same Holy Ghost is here today to teach me, to lead me, to guide me into great truth, which I will never lose nor leave behind. I will flow in the power of the Holy Ghost. I will understand and not depart from the true word of God in Jesus' name. You may be seated around the church this morning. The book of Psalm, the 71st chapter. Let's set the stage for this message. In this chapter, David is no longer the young man he once was. He is now, as he will describe in our text, gray-headed. When David now inspects the troops, he sees a group of young people. Like many of us, the older we get, the more we think that everyone around us is looking younger. When the truth is, the people around us are basically the same age they've always been. The only one truly growing older is us. When David looks at the troops, now he sees a new generation. Not only that, he sees the following generation. When David came to Jerusalem as king, he had a young family. Now at this point in his life, David's children are grown. They have now given him grandchildren, and in many cases, probably great-grandchildren. The sound of the next generation and the generation that follows, it fills the palace because they know that there is a change going on. Earlier in Psalm 71, 
David makes mention about how age has affected him to the point where the enemies now feel free to attack him. But David also mentions something else about age. Psalm 71. Let's start with verse 17. O Lord, you have taught me from my youth, and hitherto or up to this point, I have declared your wondrous works. When we look at David's ministry, it starts at a young age. And even though David is primarily a musician, because he writes the lyrics, because he has organized Aesop to put together what would become the book of Psalms, we see David's ministry impact on Israel. And in these songs, yes, he testifies about the wondrous works of God. If you want to know about what the Lord did in David's life, yes, it's in First and Second Samuel. It's in First Chronicles. But the bigger picture is the book of Psalms. In this, David writes his prophetic message, not just to Israel, but to us who follow. Now here is David, old and gray-headed. His words, not mine. Old and gray-headed. He has spent his life proclaiming the word of the Lord to his generation. Now, he looks at the generation that is to come and the one that will follow after him. The one that's about to take control of the nation of Israel. And what did David write? He did not write, shall I continue doing exactly what I've been doing up to this point. He does not write this. Verse 18 now also when I am old and gray-headed, O Lord, forsake me not, until I have showed your strength unto this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. What is David asking for? Show us what? Your strength, your power. David, in his last section of his life, he wants to see the Lord demonstrate His power through him so he can affect the generation that's about to take over Israel and the generation that's about to come, the children and the grandchildren. Let's look at this through the point of view of the church in this generation. We are at a point where we who preach the Word, 
We need to pray the same prayer that David prayed. Until I have showed your strength to this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, the second chapter, when he arrived, he did not just come to preach the Word. He came to demonstrate with power. And that is basically what David is saying here. It is time to show and demonstrate the power to the generation that is about to come and the generation that will follow. The job of the church heading to this new year is to operate in Holy Ghost power. You see, when David, when he wrote this, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. But when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, the Spirit of the Lord was in him. And operating in a way that David could never imagine. What David prayed for. But what was operating in the ministry of Paul. This is what we need. The power of the Holy Ghost being demonstrated in our lives, in the ministry, and in the church. This morning, we're going to look at ten ways the Spirit should be demonstrated in the church. Those who have not yet experienced the power of the Holy Ghost. Those of the generation that's right on our heels. Those in the generation that is to come. They need to not just to hear about the power. They need to see the power demonstrated. The first area of power. Let's call this a carrying power. Yesterday, we talked about agape love and how the Spirit inside of us allows us to operate in a love that we never had before. Well, outside the walls of the church, there are those who are experiencing hardship and troubles. Be not knowing where the next dollar is coming from. Be it not knowing where the next job will come from. Be it one where their family is crumbling. The spouse is about ready to leave. The children are in rebellion. It could be that they are addicted either to porn or to sex or to drugs or to alcohol. It could be the bondage that is binding their lives. When the Father looks at these people, there is a caring and a longing to help them. And when we received salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost and the agape love of the Father came into our lives. 
What the people are looking for who are outside the church, yes, they need to experience all ten of the areas we're going to talk about. But this first one, they really need to see the love of God demonstrated in their lives. And the only way they will see this demonstrated is the rust. You see, the Spirit is inside of us, not just to demonstrate the love of God inside the church, as important as that is. The Spirit of the Lord is inside of us to demonstrate the love of God, the caring love of God to those around us. God loves everyone in this community. He loves everyone in this region. And yes, He loves everyone in this world. And He wants to show this love, this Holy Ghost love, demonstrated to each and every one of them. And when we operate in Holy Ghost power, we are going to be operating in a caring love that surpasses anything that they've ever experienced before. A love that does not ask for something in return. A love that will bring them to Jesus as Lord and Savior. But we need to demonstrate the Holy Ghost agape love that's inside of us. A caring that only exists Because the Holy Ghost is inside of us and the Holy Ghost wants those around to feel this love. We are to share this love because the Spirit wants to show the love of God to all who are around. Are we still here? First, the caring agape love. Second, let's call this drawing power. When we look in Acts chapter 2, after the believers received the baptism in the Holy Ghost, nobody up to that point knew they were even in Jerusalem. Yet what happens? The drawing power of the Holy Ghost begins to bring people to that point, to that place, so they can hear the gospel. The drawing power of the Holy Ghost is a power of the Holy Ghost that will draw people to where the Word of the Lord is. If you look in Acts chapter 3, we see the same thing. If you look in Acts chapter 8 when Philip goes to Samaria, it's the same thing. If you look in Acts chapter 10, it's the same thing. The same thing throughout the entire book of Acts. The drawing power of the Holy Ghost. Where the Spirit draws people to hear the Gospel. Why is it important for a church to operate in Holy Ghost power? Because this is where the Spirit will draw people to. 
We are the spiritual magnet that the Holy Ghost will draw to. But notice what we've been saying. We can try to convince and mark and beg for people to come. But it goes beyond us. There needs to be a drawing of the Holy Ghost. Why did Azusa Street, why did that great revival take off? There was a drawing power of the Holy Ghost who drew people first to a house in Bonnie Bray, then to the worst looking building on Azusa Street. The Holy Ghost drew these people. We need a power of the Holy Ghost that will draw people to the house of the Lord. What was number one? Carrying power. What was number two? Drawing power. What's number three? Proclaiming power. Proclaiming power. What is proclaiming power? In Acts chapter 4, in the prayer of the apostles, they prayed for boldness to preach the gospel. You see, a few days earlier in Acts chapter 2, here is Peter with the boldness of the Holy Ghost proclaiming the gospel, not in his own ability. His own ability was seen at the end of the gospels, before the Christ across the resurrection. When push came to shove, Peter ran. Peter said, I did not know him. But now, with the Holy Ghost, there is a proclaiming boldness, a proclaiming power in him. If you look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you're going to see the same thing. A power to proclaim the gospel. You see, when the gospel is proclaimed with boldness, the power of the Holy Ghost, those who have felt the carrying power, those who have felt the drawing power, they are going to receive what is being said when the proclaiming power of the Holy Ghost is being demonstrated. And yes, being demonstrated. The Spirit is the only one that can project our voice. The Holy Ghost is the only one who can give us a message that needs to be proclaimed. The proclaiming power takes a boring speech and makes it effective. Because that's the power of the Holy Ghost in operation. Are we still here? What was number one? Carrying power. What was number two? Drawing power. What's number three? Proclaiming power. Number four. Let's call this convicting power. No matter... How persuasive we can be. 
we cannot convict anyone of their sins. Oh, we can try to make them feel guilty. But what we're talking about is more than guilt. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the word said that it pricked their hearts. What does the convicting power of the Holy Ghost do? There are so many people who have so many layers in front, like armor, that prevents the word from coming through. They are so hardened that it seems like they do not even feel any remorse about their sins any longer. And no matter how hard we try, we cannot pierce through all of that hardened armor. We cannot. But the Holy Spirit because of the caring power He has demonstrated, because of the drawing power He has demonstrated, because of the proclaiming power He has demonstrated, He can begin to cut through all of those defenses, to cut through all of that hardened heart, to penetrate in a way that no one else can do. You see, the convicting power of the Holy Ghost can cut through the most hardened sinner and reach a heart that's still there. And the power of the Holy Ghost will begin to convict that person of their sins. But we cannot do this on our own, no. We're not persuasive enough. Even if we have all the psychological training, the psychiatric caring, guess what? We're not going to be able to get through. But the Holy Ghost can. The convicting power will cut through all the defense which sets up for the next move of the Holy Ghost. Let's call this the convincing power. In the natural, can we convince anyone that someone died to pay their sin debt and then that person rose from the dead? In the natural, it's easy to dismiss all of that and say that's not true. In the natural, it would be easy to do that. And we can spend all year trying to bring in all the historical evidence inside of the person we're talking to. No change. Why? Because we cannot logically convince anyone. But the power of the Holy Ghost can. You see, it's the convincing power of the Holy Ghost that changes a person, that tells them that this gospel message 
is true. That this gospel message is real. That Jesus died on the cross. That Jesus shed His blood. That He wiped out their sin debt. That God raised Him from the dead. That God cares for them so much that He is willing to do this. In the natural, we cannot convince. But with the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, there is a convincing power that goes along with the convicting power. Those two operated by the self-same Holy Spirit can take the hardened sinner, the one who can never be convinced of any of this, and radically convict them of their sins and convince them that the gospel message is true. You see, a demonstration of the Holy Ghost when the Word is proclaimed as part of the proclaiming power sets the stage for the convicting power and the convincing power. Are we still here? How many of you, the moment you were saved or in any service where someone came to know Jesus, what were you feeling as the Spirit continued to move? You were feeling with the proclaiming power. You were feeling the convicting power and the convincing power of the Holy Ghost. When your life was changed or when the lives of those around were changed. This needs to be demonstrated by the Holy Ghost. In the days ahead, are we still here? What was number one? Caring power. What was number two? Drawing power. What was number three? Number three was proclaiming power. Number four was what? Convicting power. Number five, convincing power. Number six, saving power. It's one thing to know that one is a sinner on the way to hell. It's one thing for the Holy Spirit with the convicting power to cut through all the defenses. So the power of the Holy Ghost in the convincing department can show them that they need Jesus. But there has to be a saving power. One that brings them to the place where they surrender their lives to Jesus. We have sat through many an altar call. The moment that people begin either to raise their hands or to come to the altar, this is the saving power of the Holy Ghost in operation with the people who once never thought they could be saved are now being saved. And so many 
get what we're saying here. So many. They think they're unloved, that no one cares, and that there is no hope for their life, that they cannot be saved, that they are beyond any hope. The power of the Holy Ghost will change that person from thinking that they're in a hopeless situation where they cannot be saved to one where they realize how much God loves them and how much God is willing to save them, not just from the horrors of hell, as horrible as that is, but the horrors of the life they are experiencing right now in the here and now. The Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate a saving power. But He needs us in order for that message to go forth. A message of, yes, the Lord can save you from your situation. He can save you from the horrors that you have been experiencing and the horrors that is to come. That brings us to number seven, and they kind of work together. A changing power. So many people, when they say, there is no way we can be saved, they are also saying the following. There is nothing that can change us. I'm addicted. I cannot break this addiction. My life is in shambles. There is nothing that I can do to change this. And to what they just said, there's a truth. On their own, they have tried to change themselves and failed. They have went to many forms of counseling, even Christian counseling. And that failed as well. Well, this morning, we're talking about one who can change a person and have a 100% success rate. And who is this? It is the Holy Ghost. For when one believes in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the old man dies, the one that experienced all the horrors, the one that experienced all the terrible days, the Holy Ghost comes in and that person will be changed. Changed from the old man to the new man. Changed from being a person that was the most rottenest person around to being changed to being a new creature in Christ completely and totally different.
You see, the Holy Ghost, He can save a person because that's what Jesus and the Father wants Him to do. But He also can lead a person to be changed. The saving and the changing power is what people are looking for. This is what needs to be demonstrated in their life. Are we still here? What was number one? Caring power. Number two, drawing power. Number three, proclaiming power. Number four, convicting power. Number five, convincing power. Number six, saving power. Number eight, what was that? Actually, number seven, changing power. Number eight, keeping power. You see, when we believe in the Christ, the cross, the resurrection, now with the Spirit inside of us, the Spirit is not here for the short run. The Spirit is here for the long haul. And when the Spirit enters into you, you will change. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who follow not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and the power of the Holy Ghost to live this life, not to go back to where you were, not to go back to the horrors that your life once was. The power that keeps you, that will bring you through the rest of this life to keep you from sin. You see, the power of the Holy Ghost, He will not lead you back into the world back into backsliding. The power of the Holy Ghost will keep you if you follow after the leading and the guiding of the Spirit. And here's the thing. When the keeping power of the Holy Ghost is demonstrated in your life, it will catch a lot of people's attention. Why? It's one thing for them to say that you've changed. It's just important for them to say they have stayed changed. That they did not go back into the world. That they did not go back to the addiction and the bondage that they came from. That they now are those Jesus people. Would they go and worship the Lord? Would they do... What we know the Spirit is leading them to do, but to them, what that crazy religion is leading them to do. But it catches their attention. You see, the world, they're not looking for a short-term fix. If they want a short-term fix, they can find the pusher what made them a junkie to begin with. No, they're looking for a long-term keeping salvation. 
and the Holy Spirit, when demonstrated the power of the Holy Ghost, keeping will keep a person saved. And we need to drive this point home, especially to Christians who are between the age of 13 to 21. Because it's in that time range that the devil tries to hammer home that they can't make it. But the Holy Ghost has a message. The power of the Holy Ghost, the keeping power, will keep you. Amen. Are we still here? Number one was what? Caring. Number two, drawing. Three, proclaiming. Four, convicting. Five, convincing. Six, saving. Seven, changing. Eight, keeping. Nine, miracle power. They are those who through no fault of their own things go wrong. We call it life. They get an illness and their lives radically change. What they once took for granted is now gone. Job gone. Employment gone. Money gone. Sickness and illness and disabilities that they never had before, they take hold. The Holy Ghost is here, sent by the Father at the request of Jesus. And when the Spirit moves, miracles and healing. You see, the power of the Holy Ghost to heal. Jesus sent the Spirit when He asked the Father, so every ailment could be taken care of. There are those who need to experience the miracle power of God. And the Spirit is here for that as well. Two reasons why. God wants to bless His children. We are the adopted sons of God and we can receive what the Father has because He cares for us as His own. But there's also the big picture outside the church. They need to feel the miracle power of God. They need to feel healing. They need to see the changes in their lives. They need to see this first in us so they can believe it's possible in them. And then when they experience this, their lives will never be the same again. The miracle power of God through the Spirit. Number 10. Let's call this the finishing power. The power of the Holy Ghost that is with us, with our loved ones, when we pass from this life to the next life. 
You see, the believers in Jesus, we have something inside of us that allows us to finish this course. Normally, you would not hear someone say what I'm about to say. But I had the privilege of watching my mom pass from this life to the next life. And she was at peace. Why was she at peace? I'm going to call this the finishing power. What Paul said, that will lead from this life to the next. The finishing power. The grace of the Lord to be with them even at that moment of their life. The assurance that it gives us that they are now Absent from the body and present with the Lord. There are many people, their first contact with the church, it's going to be with the death of a loved one. And if they are believers in Jesus, we need them to experience part of this finishing power. The finishing power that gives us a reassurance of where they're going to be, but also a finishing power that will lead them to Jesus. So what have we seen today? We have seen the power of the Holy Ghost demonstrated in ten areas. Caring, drawing, proclaiming, convicting, convincing, saving, changing, keeping, miracle, and finishing. To this generation and the generation that is to come, what did David say? He said, until I have shown your strength unto this generation and your power, Everyone that is to come. The Apostle Paul, demonstration of power, demonstration of the Spirit. When the Spirit is in operation, these ten areas He will demonstrate. Not us, Him. The Spirit wants to demonstrate this in our lives, in the church, in the community, in the region, and throughout the world. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to demonstrate this year. But notice David's words. Until I have showed. What David realized, what Paul realized, But we realize that the Spirit uses us to demonstrate His power. This year, what is our theme? I mean, I'm not going to stand here and give you big predictions about what's going to happen. But I am going to tell you what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And the Spirit is saying what? The Spirit is saying, until we, church, 
believers have showed the power of the Holy Ghost to this generation and to the generation that is to come. Those in our region, what do they need to experience? The power of the Holy Ghost. Which means, and this is why we have said during this late part of this year and the early part of next, we need to be seeking the Lord so we can demonstrate this power. We who are baptized with the Holy Ghost, we have power. Are we together on this? Don't pray, Lord, send me the power. If you are baptized with the Holy Ghost, you have the power. Now it becomes a case of demonstrating that power. So, Lord, we want to demonstrate Your power to this generation and to the generation that is to come. One, yield ourselves to the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to operate in such a way where that power can begin to move. Then the Spirit leading and guiding us to where we need to be, who we need to be with, when we need to be with them. So this power will be demonstrated. The cry of the Spirit this morning. He wants to demonstrate His power to this generation and the one that is to come. This morning, let us seek the Lord so that His power will be demonstrated through us in this church in ways we have never seen before for the glory of the Lord. Let's stand across the church this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, as we enter and cross over into the next year, let our cry be to show your power to this generation and the one that is to come.